Good morning, everyone, and a happy Mother's Day to you all this morning. It's wonderful to have everybody here. We're delighted that the Lord has brought us together today to worship, Uh, and I am delighted. I've got to say, not only is it a wonderful day because it's Mother's Day, I'm delighted that the choir is seated behind me, and I think that's a wonderful thing. Yes, yes, indeed. Okay, yeah. Is that, am I coming through loud enough? I don't want to, you know, I've never been accused of not being loud enough, but I want to make sure I'm playing loud. All right. Yes, it's a wonderful thing that the choir is back. uh, And what a wonderful time that the Lord has called us to. And here we go thinking it was springtime, you know, that we've got that thing going on, but that's okay. That's okay. The Lord has given us a warm sanctuary with good heat that we can come together and worship him. Uh, Before we do that, though, I want to make a few announcements and all of these are in your bulletin, but I want to pull your attention to the bulletin. First off, there will be no youth group tonight in light of Mother's Day. We will resume next week, okay, at 5.30. And speaking of Mother's Day, all right, I've I've been given this announcement. You'll notice the flowers in front of me, and at the doors, there are other flowers, but it says, the four Asiatic lilies will go to individuals whose names have been drawn from our Sunday school class. Those receiving the lilies are, from the open door class, Patsy Brevard. From the Willing Workers class, Nancy Brooks. Teachers is Shirley Thomas. And to Laura Steele, who is our, uh, we'll say ages wisdom, our wisest member there. That's Laura Steele. So we will make sure, ladies that are here, please come and pick these up. And we'll make sure that the others arrive. And there are individual flowers at each of the doors for each lady. Okay, so please Take one as you leave today. That's for all of our ladies, and there's plenty. There's, they're there, and there, and there, and, and, and everywhere. So pick those up. Happy Mother's Day from our Sunday school. So 
thank you very much, Sunday School, for taking care of that and be aware of those things. Uh, now, again, um, no youth group tonight. Back to the bulletin. No youth group tonight at a lot of Mother's Day. We'll resume next week. Second, please be aware of upcoming events in our bulletin, like the fact that we have a joint session and deacons meeting next week and our Christian education meeting on the 17th. Um, if you were here last week, you saw the little video, the announcement about Vacation Bible School. I hope that you are praying about how the Lord can use you to take part in that wonderful time together and, and that excellent opportunity for evangelism. Now, another announcement I need to make that is not in the bulletin, but will be next week. It comes from Judai Patterson regarding the Virginia Cottage at Bon Clarkin. If you don't know where Bon Clarkin is, it's our beautiful retreat center. It's in Flat Rock, North Carolina, not far from Asheville, North Carolina. And it's a strange name, but it's German in origin. But Bon Clarkin is our denomination's retreat center. It is their 100th anniversary. And as a result, they are actually doing what they're calling a tour of homes. Several people that are connected to this church actually have homes there, like um, Sarah Ritchie. Well, now she's Sarah Dagenhardt and, and Barry and, and others have homes there. That is taking place the weekend of the 27th. It's the 27th to the 30th. Um, Virginia Cottage, it's only $15 a night to stay there. And that's open to ladies, of course, but also to couples. Um, so if you have any questions about that, please see Judy Patterson. She's here this morning. And we'll have more information in the bulletin next week if you want to take advantage of that. If you've never been to Bon Clarkin before, it really is a special, beautiful place. Um, and I would encourage you, if you're interested, to look into that. Now, again, it's wonderful to be with you all this morning. It's Mother's Day, but even more importantly, it is the Sabbath. It is the Lord's Day, and he has called us to worship him. So let's turn our hearts to worship as Donna leads us in the prayer. to everyone. I'd like to add my happy Mother's Day to all the mothers here. You've done a wonderful job raising us up, and we appreciate it. We're here this morning because of your love for us, and certainly your hard work and your patience over the many, many years. So thank you very much. I'm sure all of us are grateful. Our call to worship this morning It's from a couple of the Psalms, Psalm 91 and Psalm, 9, uh, Psalm 46, the word of the Lord calling us to solemn assembly. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Cease striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in all the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob 
is our stronghold. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Most high God, we come before you now as your children, as your church, your church for whom your son died so that we might be adopted into a family. Of course, God, we know that you'll be with us as you've promised that in your word that you'll never leave us nor forsake us, that your Holy Spirit lives in us. But Father, we need you this morning so that we worship you rightly, so that we, we, God, we're an impure people. So we need you to praise you with pure hearts. We're finite and we're sinful. And because of that, our creator, we need your guidance to know how to think and how to understand your holy words. Words from you that are preached this hour and words that we sing to you. And so we invoke your special presence to oversee our worship that we may be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. So almighty God, hear us now as we continue to pray by praying aloud that perfect model prayer taught to us by your Son, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. The Apostles' Creed. Old Providence, what you're about to confess this morning, these truths were revealed by God to us thousands of years ago. There's no way that a human mind could have invented these truths, these concepts, these ideas, presumably to convince people to leave their lives of sin. Concepts such as a Trinitarian God, a virgin birth, forgiveness based on someone outside of yourselves, a resurrection from the grave, and a body made whole and unblemished after it's been scourged and crucified. Christian, if you believe these truths, please confess them aloud with me now. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Let's continue our worship this morning by singing, the words will be up on the screen, but singing hymn number two in the red hymnal, For the Beauty of the Earth. Please stand with me as we sing hymn number two, For the Beauty of the Earth.
please, you may be seated. It's so good to hear voices behind me for a Sunday. I love the support. All along I thought it was just Patrick, but it's not anymore. I think he said thankfully. Let me turn that mic up. Okay, our children's church at this time may be dismissed, and those who oversee them, please, if there's anybody who qualifies for children's church. As we bow before the Lord in prayer, I'll open, and then we'll have, in the midst of that, a time of meditation. It's always good at that time to think about our circumstances, to confess our personal sins, and also, as I say in the prayer, to focus on God's beauty this morning, on his goodness. Let's go to him in prayer. Heavenly Father, we are your creation. Mankind, to us you've given all authority to manage your world. That mandate of Genesis 1, to fill the earth and to subdue it. To have dominion over it. Over everything, God, that moves and grows. Over the riches that you created for your own glory. Oh God, what a mess we've made of things. We've abused your creatures, even abused each other. We mock our fellow man and we hold on to bitterness like it's something to be cherished. We kill our unborn who are conceived in your image. We pollute your pristine creation. Left unto ourselves, God, we ruin everything. And all because of sin because we haven't trusted you and because we've wanted to rule our own lives. Forgive us, we pray. Hear each one of us as we take a moment to silently meditate on your beauty and on your forgiveness. Holy Father, thank you for your forgiveness, for the certainty of being made clean, not just superficially, but because of your eternal and deep love of your Son, you've loved us in like manner, with an unfathomable desire, Lord, to bring us to yourself, back from spiritual death. Thank you for your Holy Spirit, who not only convicts us of sin, he comforts us and strengthens us to do your will, to put aside, even kill the sinful desires of our hearts, Lord. That's what he does. The Holy Spirit who gives us peace in the midst of turmoil and who sanctifies us with evidences of kindness and self-control. Father, we pray, even now, our world needs your spirit. There are wars being raged that cause mass poverty and death. 
There are politicians who impose laws that are blatantly contrary to your will and to your goodness. Your creation, God, your children are imprisoned and suffering, even killed for just believing in you and for witnessing with boldness and joy that they've been redeemed. What's wrong with that? Absolutely nothing. But Satan hates you. And so he works to bring punishment and hardship to your people, onto your creation, and onto those whom you love. But we thank you now for constraining the devil, your enemy, for whatever disaster and corruption we're seeing today, we know that it could actually be far, far worse. God, despite these terrible goings on, it's hard to see it sometimes, but we know that you're sovereign. King of kings, an authority above all authorities. Your kingdom, it'll prevail one day and all evil will be finally put away. And all evil doers, God, they'll receive their just reward. In the meantime, may we go about our days with confidence of salvation, confidence in your victory over death and destruction. And may we look forward to the Lord Jesus' return in glory as a heavenly father who cares for his children. We beseech you, God, to heal us, to comfort our sick and hurting brothers and sisters, to not trust in the doctors or medicines primarily, but to trust in your direction over them. We ask that you allow our caregivers to be successful in their work. And ultimately, Lord, we look to you to restore us unto health. But if you choose not to at this time, please, please provide us with patience and joy regarding our regardless rather of our circumstances. While we await your healing hand and your day of restoring us to glory, may we be joyful because we live united in your Son. And lastly, Father, we again thank you for our moms. We ask a special blessing upon them today as we honor their role and their work in raising your children. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you very much, choir. What a wonderful blessing it is to have you all back. I love saying that again. But also, what a wonderful message um, in the, the hymn that was just lifted up, really a prayer. And I hope that that is your prayer, all of our prayer, as we consider our own lives. Now, today, we are making a break from our series on the names of God and instead focusing on the day that is at hand, Mother's Day. Now, we're not focusing on Mother's Day in the typical pattern, though. We're going to start by reading our text, which is extremely short today, one verse, in fact. It's Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. And I'm sure that you Bible scholars, many of you know, Exodus 20. Let's see, what's in Exodus 20? Ah, the Ten Commandments. So you probably know what we're going to read, but even so, that is our base verse for today, right? We're, that's where we're starting, and then we will branch out from there. But uh, I want to start there at the start in Exodus chapter 20, verse 12. But before we read anything, let's go to our Lord in prayer. Our God and our Father, we thank you for this time that you have given to us for this opportunity to come to your word, this opportunity to lift up songs of praise, this opportunity to pray, this opportunity to gather together, not just as individuals, but as the people of God. What a blessing it is that you have called us to this place. Yet now, Father, as we go to your word, we are reminded of the deficit that we face. This deficit not being one of academic skill or reading comprehension or anything like that for for what we're going to read today, there's no great challenge in, in interpreting the words and putting two and two together. Instead, the deficit we have, the, the challenge we face is the baggage we bring to these concepts, the, uh, the, the difficulties that we have faced this week and beyond, the, the unknown future, all the things that would weigh on our minds and on our hearts as we come to your word. And ultimately, we face a challenge as the evil one would do anything necessary to keep us from understanding not just what your word says, but how it applies to us. And so, Father, we pray that you would cut through all of these things, that by your Holy Spirit, you would turn the lights on for us to see, that we would know and understand not only the content of your word, but how it applies to us, how it applies to the world around us so that we can engage the world around us. Again, Father, please guide us by your Holy Spirit now. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. So hear now the word of the Lord. Exodus 20 verse 12 says, honor your father and your mother so that you may have a long life in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. And we're stopping right there for the moment. May God bless the reading of his holy and errant an infallible word. Amen and amen. Well, as I've said, it is Mother's Day and we face a simple question given what we've just read. What does it mean to honor your father and your mother? You might say, well, it's pretty obvious, isn't it? But even so, you know, over the years, I've found that there really is quite a bit of confusion as to what this verse actually means and all of its implications. Maybe not confusion as to what it means for children, okay? And we'll get into that. But what about honoring your father and your mother when you are an adult? If you're out on your own. What about honoring your father and mother if they are no longer living? Is such a thing even possible? 
Allow me to push the envelope a little bit further. It's Mother's Day. What if your mother isn't or wasn't particularly honorable? Now you might say, wait a second, but not everybody's context is the same with their mothers. Understand that. Relationships get broken, and, and, and by virtue of motherhood, it doesn't automatically make a person a, a wonderful person. So what about in those cases? And why is this commandment not only important for us as the church, but does it go beyond us? Is it important for something, some sphere beyond us, perhaps society as a whole? Or again, is this just for children? Does the fifth commandment just sort of vanish once you turn 18 years old? Though age is really subjective. If you rewind it back to then, it would have been 13 years old, something like that. But again, does it just sort of vanish if you move out on your own? Or again, your parents are no longer living? Or if they don't deserve honor? I, I know. I've just asked a lot of questions, all right? But praise be to God that his word has a whole lot of answers, more answers than the questions that I have asked. So let's dig in and we will see what God's word says. We've read the fifth commandment already. And again, the first application is obvious that this commandment is meant in part for children. Now, I've already given something away if I've asked, is it just for children? Obviously, no. But the primary directive for this is given to children. We know this is obviously the case because elsewhere in scripture, Exodus 20:12 is quoted, right? And it's used in commands given directly, you guessed it, to children. Now, there's lots of examples, but probably the most notable is found in Ephesians chapter six. So if you'd like to turn there in your Bibles, you can do so with me. I'll put the words on the screen. But Ephesians chapter six is the next place we go to in trying to understand the fifth commandment, Exodus 20, 12. Exodus 6, beginning in verse 1, says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord because this is right. And then verse 2, sound familiar? Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may have a long life in the land. Fathers, do not stir up anger in your children, but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now, obviously, this passage is quoting Exodus 20:12, which we read just a couple of minutes ago. But what's added is this special instruction at the beginning of the verse. Again, Paul is writing this and he says, children. So he's directly addressing children here. Obey your parents in the Lord because this is right. Now, an indication is revealed here. We're starting to get somewhere now that this is uncovered. This commandment, even at this point, you can see it's far more than just a command for Israel. It's far more than just a command for church folks. But instead, the concept reveals here, or revealed here, it really points to society as a whole, to something much bigger than just the church. If you keep reading verses two and three, you find that this is the commandment that comes with a promise. But notice this. There is actually a double promise here. Because y'all, one of two things is going to happen. The promise is, is that if children will honor their parents, if they will, it will go well with them. They will enjoy long life and that enjoyment is part of that. And the reason this is a double promise is because if the promise is, if you do these things, then it will go well with you. That means by default, the promise is also, 
If you do not do these things, it will not go well with you. And y'all, it's at this point that the fifth commandment becomes a lot bigger than Israel. It becomes a lot bigger than even church folks. And we see that the fifth commandment affects the world as a whole. And you might be saying, well, why? Well, my response would be is look at the world around you and you will see. You know, a very simple principle is on display in the world around you. And there's lots of problems. You know, there's, it's just like any sickness. You you have the runny nose, you have the sore throat, you have the headache, you have the pressure. The problem is the virus, right? So there's lots of symptoms that we see in the world around us of problems. But much of the root goes back to the very simple concept that's on display in the world around you. If children don't learn to honor and respect their parents... They won't know how to honor or respect anyone. I'll say that again. If children don't learn how to honor and respect their parents, they won't know how to honor or respect anyone, including themselves. And if you doubt me on that, take my generation, for instance, right? They they always have these scales of different generations and who's born when. Okay, I was born in 1981, so what? Oh, no. I'm a millennial. A dreaded millennial. That means I'm supposed to take my typewriter to the park later this afternoon after getting Starbucks and do all the hipster things, right? I'm a dreaded millennial. Think about my generation, right? We were offered the whole world. And we took it. Often without even saying thank you, though we did nothing to earn it. And the result is that much of my generation is crumbling. We have embraced things, and what I'm about to say sounds political. I assure you, this is not about politics. This is about morality. My generation embraces things that are not only unbiblical, they embrace things that don't even make sense. Like maybe if we become socialists once, it'll work. Maybe if we do it, all the other people fail it. But we'll do it right this time. You know, add another hundred million or so deaths. We embrace things like socialism. We fight over politics because politics is often our religion, right? We say stupid, foolish, horrible things like abortion is health care. Did you know that there's a Mother's Day pro-abortion rally going on right now? And I'm not trying to be ultra political over this. This is not about politics. It's not about Democrat and Republicans. This is about morality. This is about what is right and what is wrong. This is about how we are created in God's image. And guess what? If you believe that unborn babies are not human beings, what does that say about your belief in Jesus? Was there a time when he was in Mary's womb and Jesus was fully God, but he wasn't fully man? If that's the case, well, then we've got a big problem because he can't be our substitute on the cross if he was not fully man. You know, there's all sorts of implications to this. But we say things like this. We embrace these causes that make you scratch your head and say, how foolish. How could people be so deceived? We live in this time where young people have built nothing. And they want to tear down everything, right? Yeah, I can't imagine being an employer now. I, I have talks with, with 
good friends of mine. I see Steve is here, my man Steve. Steve uh, is, is a manager at, at his work, at, and he talks to me. We talk sometimes about working with people in my generation and our generation, and it's the, the challenges of You know what it is? We're in this participation trophy uh, generation, right? I don't know if you can read that. You tried. Great. You get a big gold trophy because you tried. And sometimes we don't even try. But again, y'all, what you see in the world around you, these are just symptoms of the bigger problem. And what is that bigger problem? The bigger problem is that you have a society that by and large never, never learned how to honor their father and their mother. And it shows. But this isn't all their fault. It's Mother's Day, I understand that. But at the end of the passage we read in Ephesians, Paul includes a special instruction, interestingly enough, not to mothers. You know, on Mother's Day, I've heard all sorts of sermons where mothers are are told all the ways that they ought to be raising their children. You know, it's fascinating. Paul doesn't address mothers when it comes to raising their children. It's fathers. He says, fathers, don't stir up anger in your children, but bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Another translation says, in the fear and admonition of the Lord. What does this mean? Well, it comes down to our calling as parents to discipline our children and train them in God's word and in God's worship. A basic principle is on display with that too. Church will never be more important to children than it is to their parents. But also, the principle is revealed. It's pointed to in Proverbs. The one who will not use the rod hates his son, but the one who loves him disciplines him Diligently. Y'all ever heard that old saying, spare the rod, spoil the child? Well, it comes from Proverbs 13, 24. Parents, we must discipline our children and teach them what obedience and respect means. But this goes beyond parents. It goes, it goes to you all as a community. It's, uh, I, again, I was talking to Steve the other night. We were talking about if you got in trouble at school, you got beatings all the way home because everybody knew what was going on. And then when your parents got to you, then it was really on. Now it's this defense thing over and over again. And, and teachers, y'all know, I was, I said, Tita, yeah, you got it. I was a teacher too, right? Teachers are the ones that are indicted when students refuse to behave. Again, it goes back to honoring, you see. This is something that is called on for all of us. So getting back to all those questions I asked at the start of the sermon about who this passage applies to, who does this passage affect? It's not just for Israel. It's not just for the church, it's for society as a whole. And hopefully we've seen thus far that the fifth commandment does apply to children, right? But because it applies in so many other ways, obviously it doesn't stop at children. Why do I say that? Well, again, consider the Ten Commandments. Think about what Exodus 20, 12 actually says and the larger context of the Ten Commandments. Remember when God's people got the Ten Commandments. We were there a few weeks ago in the Names of God series, right? God told Moses, you're going to go deliver my people. Moses said to God, first off, (laughs) me, right? And then after God said, no, no, you're going. Moses said, when I go and tell them that I'm there to deliver them on behalf of God, who do I tell them sent me? You know, Moses puts his finger on the fact that God's people have been so separated from God in slavery for 400 years that they really didn't know that much about God. They had the traditions, right? They had the memories of their people, but God has delivered them out of slavery. And it's in that context that he starts giving them his names, right? To reveal who he is. But it is also in that context that he gives them the commandments because the Ten Commandments flow out of who God is. 
They point to his character. That's why you have the commandment there, again, to honor your father and your mother. But even though the first application is to children, where does it talk about children in, in Exodus twenty twelve? You can look at it. Honor your father and mother so that you may have a long life in the land that the Lord your God has given you. Y'all, this is one of the commandments given to God's people, all ages, across all times that are expression of his moral law. This is not just about children. It was given to the nation of Israel as a whole. And this brings us to the question, how should adults honor their fathers and their mothers, their father and their mothers, right? Well, to find the biblical answer to this question, it isn't quite as simple as, let's say, turning to one of the many Proverbs or Psalms about children accepting instruction and, and so forth. Even so, God's word is not silent on this subject. There are many examples in God's word of interactions between adult parents and adult children. There's many examples that we can learn from in God's word about how not to honor our father and our mother, how not to honor our parents. Take, for instance, Samson. Yes, that Samson, the one that killed the lion with his bare hands, the judge of Israel, the jawbone of the donkey, and so forth. That one, right? He is a prime example used in God's Word. And sometimes look in the book of Judges and read about this. But he's a prime example in God's Word of someone who did not honor his father and his mother as an adult. Why? Well, there's one specific example given where he disrespected his parents so much that he came across honey in a lion's carcass. Right Now you might say, well, that's gross. And it is gross, but even worse than gross, this was unclean food. Remember the, the Israelites had all of these requirements they were supposed to follow to maintain their holiness, right? They weren't supposed to eat unclean things. Well, Samson disrespected his parents so much. He thought so little of his parents that he harvested this honey out of the lion's carcass and fed it to them with them not even knowing where it came from. And that's just one example. There are other examples of him. Take, for instance, the fact that his parents warned him. They shared their wisdom with him and said, stay away from those Philistine women. It's not going to go well for you if you do this. And Samson is a prime example again of not honoring his parents as an adult because he didn't even take their wisdom into advisement. Did they have the authority to command him one way or another? No. But as his parents, they pointed him to the truth of God's word. And Samson should have honored God's word and he should have honored them. But he refused. So there's one example of what it means to not honor your parents as an adult. There's another wonderful example that's a terrible example with Eli. Remember Eli in the book of Judges? His two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, they were priests that ruined their father's good name, because they engaged in evil practices. They, they were stealing from the people. They were poor judges. They too show how to not honor your parents as an adult because they show us what it means to have no regard for their parents' good name. They weren't only an embarrassment to Eli, they were a scourge to him. It's like my mother used to tell me, and I've talked about this before, anytime I would go anywhere, and I was always going somewhere, a road trip, a, a here or there, I think that's with the last child, you know, the first children, you, you're really worried about what's going to happen to them. The last one, you're like, ah, I got two more, they can do whatever they want. But my mother would always tell me before I go out on some adventure, she'd always say, remember where you came from and who you belong to. In other words, don't turn your back 
on the teaching you've received to us, but don't be an embarrassment to us either, right? And there's another meaning to that too. She didn't mean just our family. She didn't just mean my father as my biological father. She was referring to the fact that God is my father. And I needed to remember where I came from. He's yours too. So Samson, Hophni, and Phinehas, these are good examples of what it means to not honor your parents. But those are in the Old Testament. What about the New Testament? Does the New Testament speak to the fifth commandment anyway in terms of adult children and how to honor their parents? In terms of honoring your parents even if they're no longer around? Absolutely it does. And the most notable example is in one of Jesus' teachings concerning the Pharisees. If you know anything about Jesus' earthly ministry, you know that the Pharisees were kind of his chief uh, opponents, right? They, they, were, they were hypocrites. Um, they, they became synonymous with religious hypocrisy and legalism for good reason. But what do the Pharisees have to do with this concept of honoring your parents even as an adult? Well, again, they're a New Testament example of how not to honor your parents. It was in one particular instance that Jesus was dealing with the Pharisees that he exposed what was perhaps the absolute height of their hypocrisy. And it's in Mark chapter 7. So go ahead and turn there with me if you have your Bibles to Mark chapter 7. I'm going to read the background verses starting in verse 1, and I'll put the pertinent text up on the screen. Um, But Mark 7, beginning in verse 1, it says this. Let me get to it myself. Mark 7, beginning in verse 1, says this. It says, the Pharisees and some of the scribes who had come down from Jerusalem gathered around him, and the hymn is Jesus there. They observed that some of his disciples were eating bread with unclean, that is, unwashed hands. And then there's a parenthesis here because it explains what that means. It says, for the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, keeping the tradition of the elders. When they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they have washed. And there are many other customs that they have received and keep, like the washing of cups, pitchers, kettles, and dining couches. Verse 5, so the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, why don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating bread with ceremonially unclean hands? Jesus answered them, Isaiah prophesied correctly about you hypocrites. As it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They worship me in vain, teaching as doctrines human commands. Abandoning the command of God, you hold on to human tradition. Now, let me do a little bit of translating and some paraphrasing here. Do you get the background? The Pharisees are all upset with Jesus because his disciples were eating with, quote, unclean hands. This doesn't mean that they were gross, nasty hands, you know, junk under the fingernails. That's not what they're talking about here. This is all about ceremonial cleanliness. Their disciples had been among the people, right? And, and horror of horrors, they might have come across a Gentile or a Samaritan because we're unclean in their eyes. Then they said to Jesus, hey, what gifts? Your disciples aren't even washing themselves before they eat. And as a result, before they, they eat. So Jesus lays into them. As we already read, he quotes Isaiah saying, these people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. And he does so because of their hypocrisy that he reveals in verse nine. He also said to them, verse nine and following, you have a fine way 
of invalidating God's command in order to set up your tradition. Remember what he just said is, y'all will follow the tradition of men, but you don't follow God's word. So he says here, you have a fine way of invalidating God's command in order to set up your tradition. For Moses said, honor your father and your mother. Right? Exodus twenty twelve, And whoever speaks evil of his father or mother must be put to death. And he's quoting Deuteronomy there. But you say... If anyone tells his father or mother, whatever benefit you might have received from me is Corban, that is an offering devoted to God, you no longer let him do anything for his father or mother. You nullify the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and you do many other similar things. Now, again, let me paraphrase here. Why is Jesus so angry and what's he really talking about? After quoting our text for today, Exodus 20, 12, the fifth commandment, and then after quoting Deuteronomy 5, 16, that, that business about whoever speaks ill of his father or mother must be put to death. Jesus then went on to expose this terrible, this horrible thing that the Pharisees were guilty of doing. They had this custom that they had set in place called Corban, right? The custom of Corban, which basically meant that the Pharisees made a vow that all of their possessions were dedicated to the temple. They made a vow, everything I have belongs to the Lord. Now you might say, why is that bad? Why is Jesus so upset about this? He's so upset about it because of what they do in light of that, right? The way that Corbin worked was that when you made this vow that everything you had belonged to the Lord, all of your assets All of your possessions and so forth were dedicated to the temple. So what the Pharisees did in light of that, even though God's word clearly commands to honor your father and your mother, to help your father and your mother with resources, that's part of this, they would say to their father and their mother, whatever benefit you might have received from me is Corban. In other words, when their parents were aged, right? In their old age, when they needed care, the Pharisees would say to them, you know what, mom, dad, I'm I'm really sorry. I wish that I could help you. I wish that I could provide for you. But everything that I have belongs to the Lord. Now, they would spend their money how they wanted to. They would get to keep all of their possessions until they died. But they would say, "I, I can't give money to you, mom and dad, because everything I have belongs to the Lord. And it was also the Jews' justification for loaning money to people and charging exorbitant interest rates. Because they would say, hey, listen, I'll loan you some money, but you got to pay me all this interest because everything I have belongs to the Lord, right? It was using God as an excuse to do something terrible. That's why Jesus is so upset with him. But it also points us again to this idea of honoring your father and your mother. I hope you get how insidious this is, how evil this is, how they use God as a crutch to do these things to their parents. And I hope you see in part that this is the answer to the question, how do you honor your father and your mother? You don't abandon them. That's how. You support them, especially into their older age. And this takes many forms. Sometimes it's opening your homes to your parents. Sometimes it's helping to provide for their care. Sometimes it's you finding the right place that can provide proper care for them when you are unable to. Y'all, this is not about a hobby horse for any particular situation because every situation is different. And there are all sorts of ways to care for and to honor your parents and not abandon them. That's what's key here. 
In short, you don't abandon your parents. You honor them by loving them and caring for them no matter how they did as your parents and no matter how they did or didn't love you or care for you. Because y'all, the message of Exodus 27 has no asterisk. You know, if you read it, this is up on the screen. If you turn to Exodus 20, 12 in your Bible, you're not going to see a little star beside the text and then look at the bottom and it says, only if they treated you the same way that they treated your other siblings. It's not what it says. Only if your parents are particularly honorable. No. Only if your parents helped you to achieve every hope and dream that you... That's not in there. Why? Because a basic principle is revealed that applies to every single person in this room. Whether you are a, 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 a father or a mother whether your parents are still living, whether your parents have died, whether you had a good relationship with your parents or not, whether they're honorable or not. And what this points to is the basic idea that how honoring your parents, y'all, and this is the message for today. Honoring your parents is a picture of how you honor God. That's the issue. You know, God never tells us to be obedient, contingent upon how people react to us. Jesus never says, turn the other cheek if people are particularly nice. He never says, love your enemies if there's something in it for you. Honoring your parents is a picture of how you honor God. This is why Jesus, even while hanging on the cross, provided for his own mother, Mary, giving charge of her care to John. My friends, the fact is this, we have an opportunity. We have an opportunity to live out our testimony and how we love our parents and how we honor them. And it goes beyond even our parents' lives because y'all, the way that we honor them best is by honoring God. I can't tell you how many conversations I've had with folks that are heartbroken over the passing of their parent or a relationship that has gone awry. And my response to them is always the same. The best way to honor your parents is by honoring God. The best way that you can honor your parents' memory, especially in the case that they taught you, is to do the things they taught you to do. And if they didn't teach you those things, still the same. Remember that God is your heavenly father. And we are called to offer that honor, that obedience, that respect. Now, there's much more to be said on this subject. How we're to honor our parents, even as adults, but I encourage you to let this be the start. I encourage you today as it's Mother's Day to consider how you might honor your mother. Maybe it's her memory. And for those whose parents have already passed, again, if it's the memory, honor them by honoring God. What a blessing it is that the Lord has not left us alone. That he has given us what he has, that he has blessed us in these ways. And I know that families have all sorts of different connotations and makeup. None of this changes the fact that we are all called to honor God. Consider today how you can do that. Let's go to him in prayer. Our God and our Father, we thank you for the teaching of your word. We thank you for the clear calling you give us that no matter what, we're to honor you. None of our parents are perfect. None of us have had perfect mothers yet. Father, uh, you never fail us. Your mercies are new every morning. So help us to consider today how we can honor you. Father, quite personally, I praise you for my mother. For all the ways that she ministered to me and blessed me. For all the things that she taught me. For all the support. Father, 
if there are any that share that sentiment, I, I pray that you would help us all to turn our hearts and minds to you out of gratitude for you alone deserve the glory. And I pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. Now let us close this time together by standing and singing about the bind that the, the, the tie that binds us all together, which is Jesus Christ. Blessed be the tie that binds number 473 in your hymn. Please stand with me. Receive the benediction. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift his countenance upon you and give you peace, both now and forevermore. Amen. Happy Mother's Day, everyone. You may go in peace.